District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Gabriella Hoffman. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed last week's interviews with Natalie Strong and Kang Yang, who are fellow and new POMA members. I think it is great to highlight and important to highlight, I should say, budding and up and coming outdoor communicators, people who have gone through the steps that I have and are trying to break out in the industry. They're really nice too. And I love giving a helping hand to anyone I feel that deserves a platform. And I think those two are phenomenal. So I hope you connect with them and follow them on social media as well. Today, I'm going to be talking about a few interesting newsworthy issues. And I'm going to preview at the very end of the podcast an episode, rather an interview, I'm going to be debuting tomorrow at midnight with Matthew Foldy of the Washington Free Beacon. He's going to talk about the Proterra scandal that is plaguing new Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, formerly the governor of Michigan, and the conflicts of interest she has there. So stay tuned for all these updates. Here is what I have for you for episode 198. First off, before I touch upon two interesting stories, I want to give a brief overview of what I accomplished in Pennsylvania last week. You may have seen me travel up there, post a little bit about it, some fishing adventures, some behind the scenes look into some reporting and research that I did into oil and gas fracking and timber. And I learned so much in this trip. I met so many wonderful individuals. And this was part of my upcoming videos for the CFACT Conservation Nation series I do with the organization that also sponsors my podcast. And we filmed three full-length videos. We got a lot of material. My videographer or our videographer, Madison Hughes of Mission Visions, is a wizard. I've collaborated with her in previous episodes in the three most recent videos we've done for the series. And we just had a blast and we learned so much. And I wrote in my newsletter today, kind of the misconceptions that attach to the energy industry, to timber, and how we kind of take for granted the byproducts and the energy they produce for us so we can enjoy cheap, affordable fuel that powers our houses, our kitchens, makes our lives a lot more convenient. So you will see some episodes from me regarding that in the next few weeks. I also will be doing some things on the side unrelated to the podcast, but I was able to also, by the way, go to the Benazet Elk Viewing Center where the Elk Capital of Pennsylvania is headquartered, and they have a herd of about 1,400 or so individual elk, bull elk, cow elk, And it was really cool to go there and just see the facility. It is beautiful. The scenery is just gorgeous. And we came at a time when, if you follow elk behavior, you don't even have to be an expert. But I talked to one of the guys who works the desk there, and I said, what would be the likelihood of us seeing elk? He said, well, this is mid-afternoon, so they're bedding in the field, and the best time, optimal times to see them would be early morning or just before sunset So we went around to see the three different spots, the viewing areas, and we didn't see anything there, unfortunately, and I think we missed one of the viewing areas. But as we finished and left and drove by the third viewing area, Madison points to me, tells me to stop my car and says, look, there's an elk in this person's yard. 
So because this was a narrow road, it was a public access road, of course, and we did not obviously want to go encroach on people's properties, I stopped my car, put on the blinkers, and safely as I could without encroaching on anything from my car on the public road, I was able to snap some photos. I had Madison take a little video of me taking pictures of the elk, which was super cool. It was a young bull and he had some beautiful tines, a really nice tan pattern, kind of a little darker than the elk I've seen here in Virginia. It was really cool to see it in this setting in people's homes. And they actually can be a nuisance in developed areas like you see out west sometimes. But I got to see an elk. That was kind of my goal. And I'll talk about that in video form. But we're going to have full length, extensive interviews like I've done with my Florida series here on the podcast as well. We're going to feature probably a handful of extended interviews with the different individuals we spoke to. And that should drop, like I said, in the coming weeks, and we're going to coordinate it with the release of the video. So there's a lot of Conservation Nation content, and we're going to expand upon it for the podcast here for you all to listen. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for the support, and make sure you subscribe to CFAC's YouTube channel where you can find these episodes, past episodes of the series. I also want to briefly touch upon the viral video of a so-called fly fishing guide confronting Fox News host Tucker Carlson in Livingston, Montana. And you guys have probably seen the video. The guy was not shy. This Yahoo was not shy about confronting Tucker Carlson. It looks to be staged given the fact that he posted on Instagram and he calls himself Dan Bailey. And actually the fly fishing shop that he confronted Tucker Carlson was also called Dan Bailey Outdoor Company, but the guy is not affiliated with the shop. And he was calling Tucker Carlson the worst human being. Tucker Carlson kept his composure pretty well. I would be nervous about someone provoking me, but he had said, you are the worst human being known to mankind. I want you to know that. I don't care that your daughter is here. And then Tucker Carlson responds, I appreciate that. And then he tells him to settle down, son. If you want to see the clip, you can. This was first posted and brought to my attention by Occupy Democrats. Not surprisingly, they're pushing this, but... This Dan Bailey guy wasn't shy about doing this. He definitely wanted attention to seize upon this, knowing that Tucker Carlson is pretty controversial, and if he confronted him, he could attract attention. And without really shedding light on this guy's affiliations, he is somehow affiliated with a DC-based conservation group. And which one is it? It is the... National Parks Conservation Association. So they're more preservationist, and he's the Yellowstone program manager. It's public information. You should be aware of his affiliation. So he's part of a preservationist group, obviously, as their Yellowstone program manager. And he was pretty belligerent. Like, I don't care what your politics are. And I have disagreements with Tucker Carlson myself, but he's a pretty good conservationist. Like, he was one of the few in media, publicly, even against some in the Republican Party, who said no to the Bristol Bay mining pebble mine project. He was pretty good on that issue. He had the founder of Bass Pro Shops on his show to talk about why it should be opposed. Oddly enough, he's been honored by TRCP and had co-hosted one of their DC banquets with Rachel Maddow, believe it or not. So on this issue, uh, Democrats and kind of more left-leaning conservationists should agree with him. Even if you don't like him and don't agree with him and or have some disagreement with him, I think we've become too much interested in wanting to shock and awe people and confront people. I would never personally confront someone I disagree with politically, 
in a public setting. I've seen politicians I disagree with. I don't confront them. I just give them their space out of courtesy. And I would hope people on the other side, even preservationist environmentalists would do that as well. You don't like someone? Okay, you see them? Just go on and move on. Clearly this guy wanted to go viral. I don't think he ended up in a good situation afterwards. He kind of looked like a fool. He looked actually like a really big idiot in the process. And he wanted to get attention. They're probably going to prop him up. But here's what the company stated, the, the tackle shop stated regarding the incident. And that was good. They didn't throw Tucker Carlson under the bus. Like I said, you don't have to like him or agree with him to see that this was totally, totally ridiculous that he was confronted privately in a fly shop in Montana where he was trying to go about his business and do some fly fishing. So they said on July 23rd, a well-known television personality, Tucker Carlson was affronted. I think they meant confronted while shopping at Dan Bailey's outdoor company. Coincidentally, the person engaging Mr. Carlson was a local resident named Dan Bailey. This person has no affiliation with our business other than he shares the same name as our founder who passed away in 1982 to be clear, we treat every customer equally and respectfully. Our staff was professional and cordial to Mr. Carlson, as we are with all of our customers. So good for them for not cowering and for recognizing that this type of unwanted attention could actually be really bad on their business, especially the fact that the guy coincidentally has the same name, but thankfully is not affiliated. Small businesses in the outdoor industry haven't really been forced to weigh in on different issues. Some companies certainly have gone woke. But a little small business like this can't afford to lose business and, and can't just cater to one particular voting interest. And unfortunately, this guy, if he is a fly fishing guide, I haven't seen any proof of that yet, but they call him a fly fishing guide. Maybe he guides on the side. But I told you he has this affiliation with this D.C. conservation group. Individuals like this, there are a lot of people in fly fishing like this who lean to the left and are pretty hostile. I have been on the receiving end of behavior like this, not confronting, but I've had people say, well, you can't be conservative and fly fish. And that's a complete misrepresentation of fly fishing. Fly fishing is open to everyone, regardless of your politics. But people like this actually make fly fishing look very poorly, I will say. And fly fishing has always kind of leaned more politically left, but it shouldn't. It should, put, should be open to everyone. But yeah, this guy hurts the sport if he truly is a fly fishing guide. And really is just a poor representation and not surprising that someone of his disposition would do this and create controversy where none need be bother someone while they're trying to enjoy their vacation. You don't need to like Tucker Carlson, but you should be above kind of this immaturity and not give fly fishing a bad name. So this Mr. Bailey character, sorry, dude, you need to grow up. This was inappropriate. All right, a final story before I preview what to expect in my interview with Matthew Foldy tomorrow. This is a fascinating story coming from Maine, and it is from the Associated Press, and there are various different conservation and environmental groups that are urging the state to protect the last wild Atlantic salmon in the United States. And if you guys didn't know, Pacific salmon are not just the only salmon. We do have some here on the East Coast, but they're more concentrated to Maine. There's also a different breed of salmon, and you have steelhead trout in the Great Lakes region, which some, I guess, flows into, if I'm not mistaken, into the Atlantic, and there's that kind of cycle that happens as well. Maine is home to the last wild Atlantic salmon population, and they hope that a push at the state level is going to 
add further protections to the species in question. And they say that the state level push is unlikely to land them on the endangered list. So they used to team U.S. rivers, according to this report, but now return from the sea to only a handful of rivers in eastern and central Maine. The fish are protected at the federal level under the Endangered Species Act of 1973, but a coalition of environmental groups and scientists said the fish could be afforded more protections if they were added to Maine's own list of endangered and threatened species. I haven't actually studied state ESA regulations, which is interesting. So they say state law allows Maine Department of Marine Resources Commissioner Patrick Killiller to make that recommendation, but his office told the Associated Press he does not intend to do it. The department has done extensive work to conserve and restore the fish, and the commissioner, quote, does not believe a listing at the state level would afford additional conservation benefits or protections, said Jeff Nichols, a department spokesperson. The environmentalists who want to see the fish on the state list said they're going to keep pushing for it and other protections. Adding the fish to the state endangered list would mean conservation of salmon would be treated as a bigger concern in state permitting processes, said John's Burrow. John Burroughs, the executive director for U.S. operations for the Atlantic Salmon Federation, quote, the state of Maine and a handful of our rivers are the only places in the country that still have wild Atlantic salmon, Burroughs said. It's something that should happen and should have happened, he added. Atlantic salmon have disappeared due to damming, pollution, and other environmental challenges, they say, and the Associated Press says that they also face the looming threat of climate change. Hmm. Nevertheless, there have been some positive signs in Maine rivers in recent years. They have written that more than 1,400 salmon have returned to the Penobscot River in 2020. That was the highest number since 2011. The Maine Marine Resources Department found the river is the most productive river for salmon. It averaged about 700 fish per year from 2012 to 2019. Attempts to repopulate Atlantic salmon in other states have stalled. The federal government ended an attempt to restore Atlantic salmon in the Connecticut River Basin in 2012 after several decades because of lack of success. Interesting, and it's kind of interesting how the state agency does not want to add more protections. And if you know, sometimes additional ESA protections do more harm than good for species conservation. So if the state agency feels that they are doing an adequate job and it so far has led to some success in reintroducing them, maybe they find it to be too duplicitous. But this is something I want to keep a watch over. And personally speaking, I would love to see Atlantic salmon reintroduced and successfully repopulated in their original native waters. I don't know if it would extend far south to Virginia, but probably in the more oxygenated waters up north in the northeast, they probably could successfully be reintroduced. If they could be reintroduced steelhead, especially in Pennsylvania, maybe if they put their minds to some efforts like this, it could be done. But it's interesting that there could be potentially a clash between Maine Department officials and these environmental groups. So we'll keep track of that story. All right, so tomorrow you will hear my exclusive interview with Matthew Foldy of the Washington Free Beacon as he talks about his different investigative work into exposing some conflicts of interest relating to the new energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, and what it means for the agency, what it spells for President Biden's energy agenda, which is rooted in conservationist ethos, and the problems that could arise if this conflict of interest is not resolved. It also, to me, upon initial look, 
harkens back to Solyndra. Do you guys remember Solyndra from the Obama years? This could be even worse. So we're going to have Matthew Foldy break down exactly what he found, his reporting work, and why you should be following this story and hold this secretary accountable. So Matthew Foldy will be joining us. I think you're going to enjoy his musings. He was just on Fox News to talk about this story. So maybe I'll bring him on occasionally to talk about this, but I'm excited to see what you guys all have to say about my interview with him. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you're a minion listening, I hope you guys can share the good word of the podcast. I know there are lots of minions from the Ruthless podcast who may be tuning in. So I am totally going to look out for you guys and and welcome you all to the podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on your preferred podcast player. We like to recommend Apple Podcasts because Apple is where most of our listenership hails from. So if you head over to Apple, subscribe, comb through some episodes and leave us reviews, we'd be more than appreciative of your support in that manner. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And you can connect with me personally on my social media feeds. All of the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links that I have are all denoted by blue check marks. Really easy to find me. So engage with me there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to recommend yourself for the show as a prospective guest, I'm all ears to hear and sift through different inquiries. Stay tuned for the next episode. Appreciate you listening.